What's going on, everybody? This is Big Pep, and before we start this episode, I just wanted to introduce our um, our guest and some, make some some great announcements. So, first off, we want to thank everybody who's been tuning in. It's been a great ride, and we just keep getting better and better. Um, I hope you guys also enjoyed the last podcast where Juan and me we got to just let you guys know what we've been doing. How you know sometimes life's happen happens, and you know we've been busy, but it's all just you know part of the part of the ride, you know. He's been he's been working on his new merch line. Obviously, I, I've been doing a lot of stuff with you know the security world, but we were able to get a couple episodes in, and this episode is is going to be a, amazing and motivational because we got to sit down and talk to David Figs. He is a 24 year old business owner, owns one of the one of the most popular gyms here in Southern California called the House of Gains. He talks about his his idea, his struggles, his motivation. I mean, this kid had the idea at 19 while he had a full ride scholarship to Cal State Channel Islands to pursue this business. And while having a full ride, he actually decided to not keep going to school and decided to actually take out a damn near half a million dollar loan and open up a gym. And his story is incredible. His vision's incredible. You know, he talks about, you know, the support of his uh, of his parents, support of his wife. And most importantly, what I love the most is he gives a lot of um, gives a lot of pointers to the young people. And he also shares a lot of gratitude. More importantly, having a gym, he has a lot of members and the credit and the love that he gives to his members at the gym is amazing. So without further ado, thank you guys for uh, tuning in. And as always, tell a friend about Pep Talk. Thank you to our sponsor, Persistence Culture. As always, backing us and also Big Dogs Only. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. David Biggs. Every time we start, we always uh, end up going with like, you know, just talking beforehand. I think the biggest thing that I want to ask is why, hold on, how old are you? Uh, 24. And how long has your gym been open? Uh, three and a half years now. So you opened it at 21? Uh, yeah, 20. I was like, well, I started the process at 19. We got opened at like 20 and a half. Bro, at 19, you had the balls to open up a fucking gym. Yeah. That's crazy. That was nuts. No pun intended? It was nuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, what's up, everybody? This is Big Pep, and welcome to another episode of Pep Talk. You got myself, Big Pep. You have my co-host, the star, Mr. Juan Ramirez. Hello. Juan, we're back at it. We are, finally. How's everything going? It's good. How you doing? I can't complain, man. I think uh, we took we took a little bit of a hiatus. We took a month off. Everyone heard the last episode, how your life and my life has been all over the place. Mm-hmm. And now we're back at it. This is number... What number three podcast in three days? Yeah, um, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited. Who we got today? Today, everybody, please welcome the owner, House of Gains, a uh, young entrepreneur, the stellar Mr. David Biggs. What up? What up? Pleasure to be here. Three podcasts in three days. You guys are rocking. Hey, man. What happens is, and I'm sure you can attest to it, is. If we could do, oh, by the way, I didn't tell you ahead of time. He likes to come in the mix. And no, you're good. He's yeah. actually going to sit up here. He'll sit up here as he goes. Well, there, there, he goes. there he goes. He's, I'm going to kick it. I'm going to kick it. You know, it's funny. Uh, we were talking about is three podcasts in three days, but it's because if our, if our schedules work out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So on the last, po- the last podcast, Juan and me were talking about how, you know, we weren't able to do a pod in about a month because... I was traveling all over the United States. Juan was busy working on his new merch line. And then it just so happened that the other day we're like, dude, we can knock out a pod, a web series, another pod, another pod. And it worked out. I'm sure you being a, a, a gym owner and also just like a full on entrepreneur, your schedules are fucking nuts. Yeah. Yeah. There'd be sometimes like yesterday we're, we're working all day and then it's like, I got to go home. I have a coach's meeting. I got nine client meetings back to back. Some clients cancel, they switch schedules. And so it can be like that for yeah. sure. So for the people who don't, who don't know who you are, and matter of fact, I'm even going to bring it up as well. I knew of you 
I would say like two a year and a half ago, and I just knew there's this kid who opened up a gym. Yeah. Uh, little did I know that you were. I'm sorry that a, just a, a guy opened up a gym. I didn't know you were a kid at the time. Yeah. And then second off, when I first heard House of Gains, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> a little cringy. Uh, a little, <laughs> little cringy. It was a little cringy because yeah. I, I was like, I was like, it's very just like to the point, you know. But I mean, you've built a fucking empire. You know, off the camera, we were talking about how you've created not just a gym, but your own world. Mm-hmm. You create content. You're a motivational person, um, but give us a backstory. Give us uh, where are you from, you know, how'd you get into this business, all that good stuff. Yeah, I'll try to break it down quick. So, uh, born and raised in Wyoming, well, Oxnard, basically. We mm-hmm. went to school in Oxnard. So, um, yeah, I grew up, and then uh, my parents were always, like, uh, very big into school. Like, my mom worked in the city, my dad worked in the city, and then... But my, uh, my mom's parents, and even my, some of my dad's parents, too, were entrepreneurs. So business owners, like my grandpa owned liquor stores and, and other appliance uh, businesses and stuff like that. So growing up, like, there was always an influence of, like, wanting to be a small business owner or being an entrepreneur. And so, uh, yeah, my parents always pushed me to, like, do really good in school, like, go to school, pick out what school you want to go to. Um, like, the average college shit. So, like, Go do a college tour. Go look at schools you want. Apply to them. When you get in, you kind of can pick from what schools yeah. you want. Um, and then the tables turn. I got a full ride scholarship um, to CSUCI to Kelsey Channel Islands for business. So there's only one out of eight eight thousand students who get that every year. Oh wow! So yeah. So like with that came like a lot of responsibilities. You have to keep a four point So like basically one hundred percent straight A's. Um, I have to like go to all like I go to the president's house do all speeches for their donors like all that st- type of stuff so um I got really comfortable being in like a more like a uh, pressure setting at like 18 years old um but either way so I was in school but I always had this feeling like school just wasn't for me uh-huh. like even though I did good in school I think school is just like a lot of just following directions and which I there's no it's not that hard to follow directions so um, went through school and then like around my sophomore year I started really heavy getting into uh, Andy Frisella so if you don't know Andy Frisella, he owns First Form and a bunch of other companies now. And uh, in high school, I was like really into his uh, into an entrepreneurship group, um, which Andy was in, and I like latched onto him. Like some people love David Goggins, some people love like Nick Bear, yeah. and like those are all really cool dudes. But Andy was like my like he was the dude who kind of kept me on straight. And uh, I listened to a, what, an episode one day on the way to school, my sophomore year in college, and he basically was just like, "Dude, whatever the fuck you want to do, like reevaluate your shit and like go after what you really want to do." And so I was like, damn, like, I really don't want to be in school. Like, this is terrible. But, of course, my parents are like, you have a forward scholarship. Like, you would be dumb to, like, drop out of school. So I was like, well, like, let's be reasonable. You're probably right. Um, And so I was like, well, I told them, like, I want to take school off. I want to open a business. And my mom, even though her father was an entrepreneur, she was like, you're crazy. Like, and basically, she hates when I tell a story because she thinks she didn't say this. But my dad and my wife, (laughs) my wife can attest to it. She basically was like, um if you open a business and you stop school, like get out, like I'm basically kicking out the house. We're not going to help you anymore. So I was like, and then my dad was more like, well, I don't agree with this, but if you come up with a business plan, like, you know, show us that you're ready. And like, we'll basically allow you to like stay at the house. And like, I think that they were like, ah, this kid's like really not going to do that. You were 18. I was uh, 18 or 19. I don't know. I was a manager in retail at the outlets at the time. So I had to be at least 18. Okay. So, um, yeah. So I came up with a business plan um, with a little bit of help, my dad, he like kind of helped me through, like, I didn't know how to use Excel. So like, he kind of helped me make it. I was like, dude, I don't know how to make a business plan, but I know what the fuck I want to do. Facts. So he helped me a little bit with that. And my mom was like, oh shit, like he's about it. And so like, as the months went along and it took a year to get all the expenses down to like, find out where we we're going to have a business at. Um, she was like, damn, like this kid's like really about it during this time where you kicked out or are you still living? In the no, house? I was still living at the okay, house. Okay. Well, cause I was still in school. Okay. And so at that time, like my parents really, like, they didn't think I was going to take it that serious. So I actually went to the president of the college and I was like, Hey, like, I know I'm like the only kid who has this and it's a pretty like prestigious thing. Like, would it be cool if I took a year off of school? And they were like, uh, no, like you couldn't do that. And you know, obviously being a business owner, you're like, well, I'm going to become resourceful. And so I went back and looked at my entire contract and it was like, oh, there's, like, medical leave here for a year. I'm like, that's crazy. Like, I got to leave for medical leave for a year. <laughs> no so, like, after that, every – it's called a president scholar. After that, every year, they got rid of that in the contract so that wow. people couldn't take a year off. No way. So, um, but being 19, not really knowing what I was doing, I took a year off of school way too early. Like, 
as a business owner, I was like, oh, I'm taking a year off. You're six months in, open the business, come back to school six months later. It took me fucking like two years to get yeah. it going. So I didn't know that. Um, yeah, so fast forward, took a year off. And then uh, there's a lot of in-between details that we're leaving out uh, for sake of time. Got all the business plan together. It took almost eight months to get the lease negotiated because they didn't want to negotiate with me. Yeah. Because I was 19. So at the time, like literally it was, I would send an email they were like, oh, like this gentleman thinks that he wants to open a business. This is cool. And then I went to go look at the spot. And then the guys, the realtors are like, they didn't realize that in writing I sounded older. And when they met me, like, what the fuck? Like, this kid's 19. Yeah. So then I sent him an email back after we met. And I'm like, hey, appreciate the visit. Like, uh, can you send me your lease so we can kind of go through, like, red line negotiations? And they were like, no. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, we just had a good meeting, you know, this and that. Because they were cool in, in person. And they were like, oh, I want to talk to your parents. And I'm like, yeah, but my parents started opening the business. Like, it's yeah. me. They were like, yeah, but you're 19. Like, what's your financial backing? This and that. So basically, like, what I would do is I would write emails, and I'd give them to my dad. and be like, all right, send this to him. And yeah. then they'd come back. My dad's like, well, how do you want to respond? So I'd respond. So basically, I would, like, go through him to get to them for mm. whatever reason they wanted to hear from him. So how, during that time, I mean, you were 19. Like, did you have, like, a crazy credit score? Or how was that you were able to pull out such a big loan be, uh, in order to open up a business? So that, that's a good question. So obviously I had like no financial backing basically. Well, I had like a savings that I had been saving up for like whatever since I was like 12, but it definitely wasn't enough. So, and I knew that I would have to finance to get the equipment. For sure. So that at that point, that's where I was able to, my dad already had established a good relationship with a small community bank and they're a lot more willing to work with small business owners than like if you go to Wells Fargo or whatever. True. So they're like, all right, cool. If you, you could just get your parents to co-sign with you. And the cool thing is, is that unlike a regular traditional loan, you can, for equipment, you can use collateral from what you're buying to, to, to get the loan. So basically they were like, all right, we well, have to have a parent cosign and then we need to collateralize, collateralize your equipment that you're going to purchase. And then, so if you go bankrupt, not only you're, you know, you're, is your family liable, but in reality, we can take all your equipment all your from stuff, you. Yeah. So like, I thought it was cool. I was like, oh shit, I don't have to put like any like valuables up. Like, yeah, you can take my equipment. Like if I go under, like I'm going to be gone anyway. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So uh, we just did it like that. We got a little creative and so we were able to use that as the collateral. So um, that's basically how it was. So you basically have to have a cosigner. If you're that young, you have to have a cosigner. Now I can walk into like an establishment and be able to like finance something sure. that I want because I have a track record. So you you decide to right and that and that is a a, a a story really just like cut very small because I yeah. mean there, there's so many parts to it. But yeah. so you you get to the point where you're like, all right, I have the I have the loan, I have the credit, you have the backing. Now, when during this journey did you say, all right, I want to start a business, but it, you wanted it to be a gym or did you want something else? No, it was, it was in one of Andy's things. He was like you, and I just mentioned this in our podcast with my wife is if you're going to open a business, it should be two things. If you're, if you want to be successful, it's either one, you have to be extremely passionate about it because that's going to overlay to your customers. Mm -hmm. So they're going to, they're going to understand that or the flip side, you have to, uh, what's up dude? Um, you have <laughs> to, uh, basically have zero vested interest in the business. So the example I use, like a dude, like, I don't know, like a quarter cleaning company where I clean quarters and pennies and nickels. That's something that I have no interest in. So it's a lot easier to make decisions because I have no vested interest. But th but if it was something like that, then you would be like a private investor. Exactly. Okay. So um, the other flip side was like, you need to be something you're very passionate about. And at that time, like it was fitness. I mean, it still is fitness. But I was like really heavy into the gym. Like me and my wife were the only people that would like record. Like before that was like before tripods were in the gym, before people yeah. would record. And so I was like, dude, like this is something that I'm super passionate about. And then of course you have to look around and be like, well, what niche, like what hole in the market is there like value missing in? And I was at 24 and it was a, a terrible experience. Yeah. So we're like, we need a more serious, higher quality facility where people are not afraid to film. You don't have to worry about dudes like being all like old guys being weird because they yeah. were weird with my wife. So we're like, let's create a more like serious environment. So that's kind of how it came up. I was like, I love fitness. If there's one thing I want to do every day. It should probably be a gym. And I didn't want to do one-on-one -on -one training. I hate one-on-one -on -one training. Yeah, like in-person, I hate in-person training. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not going to be a personal trainer. Like I'd rather just open a cool gym. I dig it. Um, so when, when everything was like, all right, I got the, I got the contract. We're in, we have the gym. I noticed I went through your, your Instagram and, and mm -hmm. you literally, one thing that I really, you know, salute you on is the fact that you recorded everything from mm -hmm. the beginning to the end, from like the first time you, you broke ground. Um, how long did it take you to finally, I guess two part question. How long did it take you to, to finally get the gym the way you wanted? And then two was the number that you originally thought on how much it was going to cost 
how much over was it? So we actually, so we actually, I underestimated. So, um, well, no, I overestimated. So one thing like my dad working in the city is like with budgets. He told me like, whatever your business plan is, always put a 20% contingency on top sure. of that. Always. And as a kid, like, I didn't know what the fuck that meant. So him teaching me that was really important. So what I thought was going to cost, uh, like 250,000. So like whatever it was or 300,000. So 225 to 250,000 for equipment and then additional 50,000 for costs. Um, he was like, dude, put a 20% on top of that. So I overestimated. I was like, okay, it's probably gonna be like 350,000, 325,000. And we ended up coming in way under because we did most of the work ourselves. So like we have, there's a lot of videos I haven't posted that I have, like my mom's posted them on her Facebook of like me and, uh, some of our friends like scrubbing the floors. We sealed all the floors. We did everything ourselves. Like we built all the platforms ourselves. I think he likes me. That's cool. He does. <laughs> um, so we built the platforms ourselves. My uncle came down. He helped me because he's a painter. We painted the whole gym. We did all the bathrooms ourselves. So like we probably saved anywhere between 50 to 75,000 in, in labor yeah. costs. Jeez. So, and that's the part about being an entrepreneur. It's like, dude, like I can't be like, Hey mom, can I have $50,000? Like you're going to have to put in work. And my mom and my dad, dude, they helped me paint. They helped me do the floorboards. Like they were all about it once they saw that I was about it. And so they helped out. Like, my mom's at the gym right now. So, like, she's there working the front desk for us. No way. So, wow. yeah, they, she loves to help out, like, whenever she gets a chance. So, uh, it's there's a lot of uh, elbow grease that you can save a crap ton of money if you do it yourself. Um, biggest, I was in a, it's, it's a very broad question, but, mm-hmm. I mean, from when you opened it to now, what's, like, the number one uh, takeaway that you that you had? Like, the one, like, number one lesson that you've learned? Um, is uh, uh, probably... Probably learn, learn as much as possible. So like that's broad. I like that statement because you can learn from your customers. You can learn from other entrepreneurs. Um, But I think the biggest thing is learning from your customers. So like the biggest thing is that there's a lot of things that, and this is something me and my mentor talk about that I've helped him in his business, which is a lot of times what you want is not what your customers want. So like we have a lot of power lifters and like right now they're like on a huge carpet binge. They have to have carpets to deadlift. Like, because they use carpets in competition. Gotcha. And so to me, I'm like, homie, they've been powerlifting for 25, 30 years without carpets. But, like, you really don't need a carpet. Yeah. But do these guys, like, I had one kid come in with a 12-foot carpet the other day and, and used it. Like, <laughs> if these kids are that serious that they're going to go to Home Depot, go get a carpet, come bring it into the gym and use it, I'm like, that's something that I should provide for them. Yeah. So what I want is not what, like, what they would want sure. necessarily. So that's a big thing is you just got to learn because your customers will tell you exactly what they want. What about the... What about like the payroll side and all that? Like, did you have, did did you understand that going into it as well? Um, I knew that. So that's another thing that we underestimated on. Like one thing that we, we set on was like, be very conservative with the numbers of members you have. So whatever you think you're going to have, like, let's just say the first month you think you're going to have 50 members, say that you're going to have 25, because if you overshoot that, then you're in a good financial position. If you are way like, oh, I'm going to have a hundred members and you end up with 20, you're fucked. So that's one thing that we did was like, I knew that we weren't going to break even in terms of numbers until two and a half years in. Gotcha. I was like, I know that we won't make money until two and a half years in. Fast forward five months, we like tripled what we thought we were going to do. So we thought like in five years we were going to have in our five year lease term. I was like, dude, if we have 450 members, we will be solid. Like if we have in five years, if we can accumulate that, we're like what two and a half. I mean, three years in three and a half, we have like 800. No way. So, yeah, we're, like, way past the national average in, like, members per square foot, dollars per square foot, that type of stuff. You know, I, I just realized four years ago you opened it. That means that you were in the midst of COVID. That was, uh, that was uh, depending on how you look at it, it was a fun, it was a shitty time. It was, like, it was everything. We could write a whole book on that, dude. So, so let's, let's get into it real quick because since it's privately owned, yes, were you able to keep it open? Uh, technically, no. So like, but at the end of the day, everyone had like their secret ways of getting, I mean, it's not just your business, but we've had multiple people who came in, whether it's, uh, who else was, did they, um, he owns that open gym. The one that was the one that had the, the big open at the top. Oh, Jared the, Wilson. Yeah. 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 He did the same thing. Like everyone had like, you know, secret workouts or private workouts. Or yeah. Something like how, how did that work out with you with, uh, with COVID? Like, were you able to keep it open or not? Or was, so we basically opened four months before COVID. And uh-huh. so at that point, we were still, like, negative in rent. So we had to pull a line of credit to help me backfill my rent because I couldn't afford the rent yet, yeah. which I expected. Um, and then COVID happened. And, like, dude, when COVID started, like, we were all like, bro, we just going to drop dead? Like, really, yeah. no one, when it first started, no one knew what was going to happen. Yeah. So we closed down 
And then after about a month and a half, it, I got forced into a corner, which like I'm, sh- I'm sure hundreds of thousands of businesses were, which are like, dude, I just opened this business. I have no money. Like it's either like go open or you fold. Like yeah. that's it. And I had a loan and I'm like, dude, like I know I would rather fold on a loan when I'm 20 than fold on a loan when I'm 50 because it's going to affect my credit earlier. But uh, I was like, I'm not going to fold. Like that's just not going to happen. So we sat down, we looked at the numbers and we we're like, dude, this shit is like not as bad as what we think it is. And so, and there was a lot of people who were like, dude, just like, we just opened. Just like, I need a gym to go work out. Bro, I literally had veterans that were calling me. Like, we have people who told us, like, dude, if, if I don't work out, like, I'm going to kill myself. For sure. like, okay. And they were serious. Like, we, and that was a burden that we had to take on, which was like, dude, if we don't open this business, we're going to have members that, like, may commit suicide, things like that. And so, um, it was a crazy story. So, we, we turned into a 24-hour facility because before COVID, we weren't 24 hours. So we became a 24-hour facility. I called up our police chief, which he's a piece of shit, and I hope he sees this and he knows this. <laughs> I, I, I filed a lawsuit against him because he's a piece of shit. Um, and I, I don't care about him I, hearing this or whatever. And at the time, he was a good dude, and he was like, you know, David, if you're going to be a 24-hour facility, that's going to lay out, like, less people. It's not going to be as packed. Like, um, we understand you're, like, the only gym in Wainimi. Like, you know, go ahead and open, yeah. and I got your back. Like, and at that time, it was like, all right, cool. Like, I got a verbal con- confirmation from the police chief that, like, nothing's going to happen. So we opened up the next day, and of course, it was technically earlier than Gavin Newsom's, you know, bullshit plans. Yeah. So we opened up, and then next day he calls, like, hey, you got to shut down. I'm like, you just told me I can open. He was like, yeah, dog, I just got to do my job, bro. Here's a cease and desist order. And I was like, fuck you, dude. I'm like, you, like, showed your true colors. Yeah. So at that point, it was like, you know what, dude? Like, it's on. Like, I'm not going to do this shit. So um, we stayed open. It was us, BSF, and then, like, one other gym, I think. And they were, like, super low-key. And, dude, we were got... You, were you guys getting excited? Dude, we had... I have videos of the amount of times that police officers came in. They And this is, like, no joke. They sent personal investigators from the city and from the county and from the DA's office. So three different personal investigators that followed me and my wife around everywhere we went and took pictures of us. They would sit in the parking lot, like, I don't know, three or four blocks over, or three or four stores over with a huge camera and take pictures of us coming in and out of our business. They would follow us places. They would follow us home. Like they were like in their police and their uh, city cars. And they basically were building like a hundred page document to sue us. So they were like, they were building this like basically for for, for having a gym open, for having a gym open, like during the most important time to be healthy. Right. So, um, and then we got our lawsuit from the County. We got all the cease and desist orders from the sheriffs and then from the city, um, and so that's when we tarped up our windows and we we're like, all right, well, let's just tarp our windows up. And then after like about a month or two, we were like, you know what, dude, like I am a very big believer in standing for good values. And I'm like, dude, I think that this is the right thing to do. So I'm like, fuck it. So I took all the windows down and I was like, dude, if I opened up the, and the sheriffs would come like, dude, come work out, bro. Like, you know where I'm at. If yeah. you want to sue me, you know where I stand. So we were getting fined. It was like 2750 or $3,000 a day to stay open. So that was our wow. fine. It was three K a day. And so we stayed open for whatever it was, eight months. Holy and so, shit. And so, so what's that? That's a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. yeah and yeah. so like I hired, a, it's funny enough, my lawyer was actually, uh, she's a power lifter and she's like in her, in her late thirties. And uh, we actually got into arguments because she was like, dude, you're going to get a permanent injunction, which means that even past COVID, I'm never allowed to open a business again. Like I could have a permanent injunction, like basically almost like a felony basically yeah. for a business. So I was like, I don't really care. And then she was like, well, I don't think that you should stay open. And I'm like, dude, you're my lawyer trying to fight this. Like, what do you mean? And she was like, well, you guys need to go outside. And I'm like, I'm not going to move my gym outside. And then she's like, well, you need to force people to wear masks. I'm like, I'm not going to force people to wear masks. And so she was like, well, I disagree with you. I'm like, well, you're going to represent me or I'm going to drop you. And so she represented us. And the court was like, all right, well, then we're going to file a permanent injunction. You have to pay all these fines. I'm like, nope. And they were like, well, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm like, You guys can fuck off. I'm going to go run my business. And they would send people out, like, a checklist, like, oh, you guys don't have masks? I'm like, nope. You guys don't require vaccines? I'm like, nope. You guys don't have six-foot tape? I'm like, nope. And then the lady at the county was like, you're not going to do anything, huh? I'm like, nope. I'm like, she's like, well, I'm wasting my time here. I'm like, yeah, you probably should leave. And then, like, these are, like, dude, you can ask my wife. These are real conversations we had. And then, uh, dude, sure enough, our day was March 17th, which is funny because that's one year from when COVID started. Okay. March 17th was the day that we were supposed to get a permanent injunction. And they were going to force close our business. Basically, they did it to a couple of gyms in New Jersey. Come with a lock. They lock yeah. your door. And you're never allowed to do it again. Um, and I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I'm like, I'm staying open. Sure enough, March, March 16th came the day before and they dropped everything we won. And I'm like, because if you look in a legal stature, they are legally not allowed to do any of that. Under a, under a use of emergency, which Gavin Newsom, I'm like, yeah, but a use of emergency is not legal. Like, you can't do any of this. 
So I didn't pay any fines. It's just like my lawyer fees, but I didn't pay any fines. And he never got shot down. Nothing. Does all this, I guess, expunge? Is it expunged? Like, is it like is it off your record? Is it? Uh, no, I still have the lawsuit on my record. Technically, like yeah. I technically have been in a civil lawsuit. Um, but like, if anyone was like, I actually see it as a plus. Yeah. Is that if someone's like, if I ever go for an interview, or something they're like, dude, what's this lawsuit? I'd be like, look, dog, I'm down to fight. Like, uh, if I if I fuck with you, I'm gonna fight for your business, and you can see that in my lawsuit that I'll fight for what I think is right. Yeah. Oh. And and due to the, and by staying open, it you know quadrupled, actually six hundred percent, supercharged our business. Wow. So that was uh you know good things happen to good people. You fight for the right things, and it happens. Yeah. So no, that, that's a that's a I had no idea. That's the craziest. That's one of the craziest stories I've heard for COVID because you know a lot of people. And you can't knock them. A lot of people, it, 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 they get nervous to go up against the law. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, majority of the time, law always wins. Yeah, you know? scary so, thing to do. Yeah, it's a scary thing to do. So kudos to you. Yeah, I mean, my, my wife was scared, dude. We used to get called. We get used to get death threats. And people would, like, leave us voicemails. And they'd be like, dude, we're going to come kill you, like, if you guys don't close your business down. Like, people would leave us voicemails. They would follow us. Like, dude, they would come outside, take pictures, follow us wherever we go. Like, regular civilians, like people. Jeez. And so my wife was like a little wigged out. She's like, I don't really want to be here because people will call us and like leave us death threats and stuff. And I'd be like, dude, you got to do what's right. Yeah. So um, it is what it is. This sounds like a great book. Yeah. 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 We've talked about that, like possibly doing a book, yeah. like talking about our stories. So that was wild. So now we got that incredible story, right? The COVID story, how pretty much you stood for what you thought was right and, and you won. You had uh, your members in there. I mean, people got to work out. People got to feel good. People got to... Uh, feel normal for a while mm. um, health is wealth I mean the fact that like I mean I could attest to it and I, I'm like proud of what you did because me having my gym here I mean I had a plethora of people coming during COVID yeah plethora plethora and it's like what am I gonna say no yeah at the end of the day is like man like if it you got it. You got it. I mean, I don't, whatever. You know, at the end of the day, you still got people. Still got to work out. Yeah. Now, I don't know what's worse: getting sick for fourteen days or, or getting getting fat. And I mean the one diabetes and you yeah. know whatever you know whatever the case is. Yeah. But no here, no here, no there. Um, House of Gains. Mm-hmm. Where did that name come from? You know what? I I, I give credit to uh, Robert Frank. He's that dude. He was like real popular because he would sit in his car like the windows tinted. He would, like, scream at the camera. Okay. Like, yeah, he was a super yeah. funny guy. He's still kind of popular on Instagram. But uh, he said that one time, like, the glorious gains or something like that. And I think it just stuck with me. And then a couple years later when we went to open the business, we sat down. And I was like, I just I can't get House of Gains out of my head. <laughs> like, we tried coming with, like, I don't know, Iron Asylum and, like, a bunch of other things. And I was like, dude, like, I just I think that House of Gains is right. And so, uh, yeah, I hit up a logo designer and he made it. And I'm like. I fuck with that. That's dope. And then as soon as I saw the logo, I'm like, all right, we're going to run with that. So it's, it's, it's the house it gains, and then what's in the middle of it? Uh, so it's the house, and then on both sides is the bicep flexing. Gosh, what it was. So we use that on the gym, like on the actual front of the business, the building, but we don't we don't usually use that for a lot of artwork. Yeah. Unless it's like a, like a, uh, like a two-year anniversary, three-year anniversary, that's when we use it. We usually use other alternate logos. So what I love about your gym, mind you, I haven't been there, but I feel like I have just because I've seen it all over social media and, and it's very, it's very, um, unique, especially here in Ventura County. Cause when you go up to like, you know, LA, you have underground, you have, or underdog, you have, uh, what's a uh, Bradley's gym. Zoo. Bra- Bradley zoo. came by like a month ago. Really? Yeah. yeah. So like, you have all these gyms that promote, like get your content, you mm-hmm. know, rock the dope, uh, gym wear stuff, you know, just mm-hmm. kind of like look fly while you're working out. Yeah. And down here, you know, Ventura, you know, kind of Ventura County kind of struggles to like keep up with the times. Really? Yeah. But you and Juan and me were talking about it earlier. You created this world where, you know, they don't have merch designs like you. They don't have mm-hmm. video content like you. They don't have the owner making their own content, doing his own podcast, promoting health and wellness. Um, and I feel like it's kind of like you're, you're, you're your own artist. Like you're an artist creating and I, I want, and, and Juan and me were talking about like the artistry, like how did that, or actually Juan, if you wanted to bring it up, like how did that come about? Yeah. Well, one of my favorite things about house of gains is I, I know the name, I've heard the name mm-hmm. and I've actually seen your merch 
everywhere around that's Ventura. Dope. That's cool. But I never knew it was a gym because yeah. you just do so many things that are outside of the world of gym that you could wear normally. Like my favorite one is the cane shirt. Oh, dude, we just redid that one. Yeah. People love that one. I've seen that so many times. And every yeah. time I see it, I'm like, oh, it's a King Street. And then I look, I'm like, wait, House of Gains? What is that? Yeah. And I had no idea until Pep and I started talking about this podcast. So, yeah. So it really just takes like an artistry from you. You're more than just that young entrepreneur that you started as. Yeah, yeah. We, we've definitely evolved. Um, like I think in business, it's really important. Like if there's no demand for something, then you shouldn't do it. So like there, it wasn't like we never came up with apparel until people started asking for it. Wow. So it was like one of those, like I see a lot of people like they start apparel brands or like um, other things. And it's like, well, no one wants to buy that. Like no one's asking for that. So like until people started really asking for it, I'm like, all right, cool. And then just kind of like our business, we're like, we don't want to, we don't do half-ass shit. Like, I mean, how many gyms do you go to? Like, I won't call any of them out, but like, it's just block varsity letters in their name. Yeah. You know, like I'm not going to wear that shit. Like I don't want to wear that. So, um, we got together with my graphic designer. She's my best friend's sister. She's the one who did our mural at the gym. And I was like, dude, I want to come out with some like actual cool shit. So we would just take the logo and we'd spin it off. And then we came up with Lift Local. And Lift Local actually happened during COVID because a member went to a gym during COVID and was like, he posted on Facebook. He was like, I'm never going to sh- go to a big box gym again. I'm always going to Lift Local. And then I was like, dude, I fuck with that. <laughs> and so we took that and we do, we copyrighted, we copyrighted, we got it patented. So like Lift Local is no ours. Way. So there's wow. a TM on it. So if anybody else like in the fitness world uses Lift Local, like that's ours. That's amazing. So, and, and the goal behind that is to create, uh, it, it's in the future. I don't think we have the demand for it yet. Our goal with Lift Local is to create either a nonprofit or a for-profit business that gives back its profits to local gyms. So we would collab with someone like a zoo culture, or like a local gym, yeah. create a design, sell the shirt, and then give them the profit to help support local gyms nice. so that's what lift local kind of stands for and then we just took that we're like all right let's make some cool ass designs with it so every couple of months my wife and my uh, my wife and i and then our designer sit down we're like all right like what's hot right now it's summer cool let's do a summer job like when canes we did that cane shirt when raising canes opened here yeah we're like dude we should fucking make a remake of this logo like that's dope so yeah. that's kind of yeah. how we did it damn has 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 Anybody ever hit you with like a cease and desist because of like the design at all or anything or not? No, like that's the one thing that I learned from business school, like getting a business degree is that we, I did business law is that, uh, the logo has to be like 70% makeup of theirs, which it is like, it's almost identical, but you have to be in a competing industry taking business from them. So so if you were in the food industry, if I was making chicken sandwiches, be like, yeah, dog, definitely (laughs) definitely would have an issue. That's so so funny. Yeah. And then. Another thing about you is, man, you, you're not scared to get in front of the camera. Mm-mm. You know, a lot, of, a lot of owners sometimes like to be behind the scenes, but you are very much all up in the camera. You're, you're, you have great skits. You're very motivational. Where, do, you. where does that come from? You know, I don't, I don't know, dude. I just, I, even like in school, I was never afraid to like be the first one to do a project or like to give speeches. Mm-hmm. And then in college, like having to give, like, I would give speeches in front of like, the top donors like this dude just gave a hundred million dollars at school like these tables of old billionaires like and i would give speeches to them or whatever it might be so i think like through those experiences you build the confidence to do that and then a lot of it's out of necessity i'm like dude like no one's gonna do i need to do this or else my business is gonna fail true so i'm like i, I need to learn how to how to be comfortable in front of a camera and then i didn't have the money to, to pay someone so i bought my own camera learn how to edit learn how to do all my own videos and then um now we're fortunate enough to have enough revenue to be able to have someone who helps us with that so, and I've slowly, if you notice, I've slowly gotten my wife in front of the camera yeah. and then the new girl that we're hiring, she's coming on on Monday. I'm hopefully going to get her on camera as well so that it's not just me only. I want them to be a part of it. Sure. So, and that's, know. and that's another thing that I was going to bring up is, I mean, you having your wife, is she also, is she, is she part owner? No, no so I'm a hundred percent owner. We got married. So technically if something were to happen to us, she would take ownership, sure. but I have a hundred percent shares. Of the but business. but mm-hmm. she's, but like I said, like you don't, there's some own, there's some owners that like don't want to put their partners like in the mix you're you you have her out there you're you're putting yeah. her out there and I, I i i love that shit because i love like when i get to have the opportunity to like in a sense like show off my wife or like have yeah. her right next to me is it's, it's it's exciting so like what made you want to bring her in the mix as well and have her like in in the front with you guys with the house of gains well um i mean you can't run a business without like you have to be able to fill in um your weaknesses and so one thing that she's really good at is she's extremely creative so, like, one of the things, it's, like, we just redid our restrooms. 
And so, like, our restrooms are a lot more, like, you've probably seen them, like, they have the colored mirrors, everyone takes pictures on them now. So, like, I was like, hey, babe, like, we need to improve this type of the business, like, this part of the business. I think we, our restrooms are lacking. And she comes in, she's like, all right, let's do these light up mirrors, let's do this paint, let's do this color piping in the middle of the wall, let's do this bench where people can sit on, but it has to look a certain aesthetic. So, that's where she comes in. That's it. So, like, I'd be like, hey, babe, we need to post hours for holiday hours. She'll go and she'll make all kinds of gifts on Canva.com. She'll make gifts and she'll make the posters and she does like that she is really good at that stuff That's dope. so and then of course like dude the number one complaint we get about our business or the number one reason people don't come at first is because they think it's intimidating so i'm like well i need to get a female on camera especially one who is uh like his hispanic latina someone that people can relate to yeah. which she is and so she getting her on camera has helped a lot of people like feel more comfortable coming into the gym nice. and then not only that like dude, i want to see my wife girl I'm, I'm a really hard driver like i work 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 and i need her to come with me yeah i'm like i can't let you sit back seat like you got to be front seat with me like and so i pushed her to grow a little bit damn that's dope yeah, yeah. i really it's amazing yeah what uh What's the what's the, what's the plan now? I mean, now now you what you're going four or five years into it now. Mm-hmm. You you're celebrating what four years? Five years? Uh, four? No, we just celebrated three years. Three years? Yeah. So so are you planning on expanding? Yeah. So that's kind of what we're in the mix for. So like that's why we're bringing on uh, uh, like a front desk, and then hopefully we can transition her to an operations manager. Okay. Um, so that we can, I have my online coaching business, which I'm a head coach in. So it's a mentor of mine and I'm his head coach. And so my goal is to bring in additional revenue from that to save up so that we can expand to a big business. Oh, excuse me. So instead of having just um, two, I mean, one stream of revenue from the business, we have that stream of revenue plus the coaching business so that we can just keep stacking bread. And then nice. because right now, like if you've seen like, if you think the residential market is bad buying a house, the commercial is 10 times worse. I'm sure. So it's really bad. So like what a, a building used to be a million five for the size that we need. Now it's four. Like it's like literally to the point where it's like, dude, like it would be irresponsible of me to look at the numbers and be like, oh, my ego is telling me go bigger, go crazier. Yeah. But then like, it, well, that's irresponsible. I would end up having to close my business and that's not fair to my members. True. So I tell my members like, dude, we're just going to keep doing what we do, improve on our facility now and then keep stacking bread. And the goal is to expand down the line. Are you guys month to month? Mm-hmm. You guys are right. That we was do a, zero contracts. That's what I was gonna ask. Uh, I remember. I remember seeing that one time. Why? Why? Why not? At like, uh, I remember I used to be at twenty four, and I was like, sign up for like a like a year membership or some shit like that. Why? Why are you guys month to month? Um, it's a it's a psychological thing. It's a psychological play. Okay. So basically, when you feel like you're not held in, you're gonna stay longer. So when you feel like you're in a contract, you build resentment for whatever reason. Uh, and so when you have no resentment, and then also I'm very confident. So we, we offer a money back guarantee. We offer a referral discount, like very confident in our business. So it's funny because everyone, every gym owner who's told me thus far, you're not having contracts. Like I've actually had gym owners tell me like, you're not going to go anywhere with not having contracts. You need to lock people in. I'm like, you're tripping, bro, because you can look at the national average. They have data on this. The national average uh, churn rate, so members that cancel every month, is 15% of your membership. So if you have 1,000 members, you're going to have 15% of your members cancel every month. So 150 people cancel. So you have to try to backfill that. We're at, I think, like 3% or like 2.9%. So we're like a a quarter of what that national average is. So I'm like, you're telling me I have no contract, and homie, we're losing like maybe 10 members a month, maybe. So like we're barely losing any of our members because – we do things right. We treat them right. We give back a lot to the community. We try to do as much as possible for them and then provide every piece of equipment like in a high quality form. That's basically what our membership is. So we just give back, give back, give back, give back, whatever they want. We buy it. You want a new bench? We get a new bench. If you want rugs, we get rugs. If you want barbells, we get barbells, whatever you want. That's kind of how and, we do things. And, and, and then, and that doesn't, I know like the customer's always right, but does that ever bring you down the hole? Like financially? Um, no, because you have to you have to learn how to budget. Like that's where the business side of things come yeah. in. Is that you have to learn? Like my wife and I sit down every first of the year. We look back at our books from the year before. We spent this much on money. All right, cool. So we're allotted twenty five thousand dollars this year for equipment. So what we did this year was we actually put we have a close friends group. So if you remember ours, like Connor is part of our close yeah. friends group. So he's part of that, and we did a poll out of all six hundred or eight hundred people that we have in our close friends group. All right, guys, these are the six the six pieces of equipment that we think our facility needs. Tell us what you guys want. All right, cool. We want this, this, and this. All right, cool. That's what we're gonna buy this year. So you guys can't get mad at us when we buy the things that you told us wow. to get. So like we you're giving set a them the, you're giving them the power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's basically kind of like in nowadays in today's terms with social media and reviews and text messaging is that like 
before you wouldn't know a business was shitty until you shop there. Yeah. Nowadays, dude, people text their friend right away immediately, dude, House of Gains is shit. Or they'd be like, dude, House of Gains is fucking terrible. Like they'll tell you, is it the shit or is it terrible? They'll, yeah. they'll let their friends know immediately. So you have to be on top of your shit. Other than the House of Gains, I also noticed that you just started up a podcast. Yes, my well, wife and I. Yeah, so so what is it called? Explain to us what exactly, if you listen to the podcast, what are you getting out of it? So the, the podcast is called Figuring It Out. So figuring is spelled with two Gs, like like our last name. Okay. So it's, it's basically because my wife and I are 24 years old, um, and we have people that we look up to, like someone like yourself who's a little bit older than us, yeah. or like Andy Frazella, like Ed Milet. Like those are the guys that we listen to their podcasts, but they're 40, 50, 60 years old. And don't get me wrong, they're billionaires, and so they have very good advice to sure. learn from. But it is in a way, a little bit hard to um, assimilate to where they're at because no matter what, even if they're telling you relevant things, they're farther along than you. So you're always going to feel a little bit of a barrier to like try to understand them. And so we were like, dude, we have so many young members at our facility that we have beautiful conversations with every day on their struggles, our struggles. And like, dude, you guys should make a podcast. And we've waited two years. People have been asking us for two years now until we had the ability and the time to do it. So now we're like, all right, how do we make a podcast for people our age um, to help them understand how they can provide value to their jobs or uh, provide value in their relationships at a young age? So it's not just uh, like business. It's, you talk about relationship. You talk about the ups and the downs. Yeah. Okay. We basically help like we help like we just did a podcast on motivation, like motivation, discipline, consistency and how we set our goals and attack them at 24 years old. So like, cause we take the time to sit down every year and decide what our goals are going to be. And then we like step by step how to get there. And so we just talk on the podcast of how we communicate in our relationship, how we set goals in our relationship, how we do these things in our relationship or in business. So the average 20 year old can be like, Oh fuck. Like they're young as me. Like I should listen to that because they're as young as I am. So makes sense. Um, when did you start? I noticed it was funny too. Cause, um, I haven't told anybody this, nobody, but I'm going to let you know. When I first found you on Instagram, I was like, all right, this cool. This kid's cool. But I didn't really pay too much about it. And mm-hmm. then, and then Brandon Belsky was like, yo, you got to meet him. You got to meet him. Yeah. And then it just so happened that new face at jujitsu. We, yeah. we go to the same Academy at Gracie yeah. Baja Ventura. And I noticed that a few people were talking to you. I didn't pay any attention. And then, and then one time they're like, I saw somebody rocking the house against stuff. And they're like, yeah, that guy's the owner. And I had no idea you were rolling. Mm-hmm. So when I saw you, I was like, all right, this, you know, I didn't introduce myself right away. I just kind of wanted to like, I like to, I like to really like, yeah. like see like what, what the vibe is, what the mode is. It's I a kinda, very good characteristic. Yeah, to have. yeah. Yeah. And then I saw he would stay longer than everybody. Talk to everybody. Say bye to everybody. Say hi to everybody. And I'm like, yo, this kid's actually like, you're solid. And then what made it even cooler was I remember I started, I started looking at your page and you had just started the 75 days hard. Mm-hmm. And I remember you were like on day like 71, 72. And I was like, this motherfucker is doing it. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to do it. Yeah. So I did it. Oh, I, did, I did it because of you. Oh, I'm actually, dude, nice, I, I'm, bro. Actually, I'm actually, what's today's date? Yesterday, it's five months. I haven't had, a, haven't drank. That's fucking sick, yeah, and dude. I, and I love my beer. We love our tequila. But, yeah. I, but I was like, if this kid's doing it, and I actually like the motivation, I was like, I'm going to start doing it. So. First off, thanks for letting thanks for letting That's me. Awesome. I was I followed your journey. I stepped into it, and I feel better than ever. And then two, why did you do it? And then explain to the listeners exactly what seventy five days hard is. Yeah, so seventy five hard was a program created by Andy. Yeah. So um, my wife and I actually did it when he introduced it. It was before COVID. It was in twenty eighteen. We actually did it or twenty nineteen. The first day he started it. So he actually made a post one day and was like, uh, "Do you want to learn how to improve your life, improve your dis- your uh, discipline, your grit?" Um, he was like, and it's free. And of course you're like, nah, nothing's free. But then when he came out with it, I was like, oh shit, this is pretty hard. Like it has to be something. If yeah. this guy's pulling in, you know, whatever, three, $400 million a year in his one business, like he probably had, knows a thing about discipline. So 75 hard is, um, there's five things you have to do every day for 75 days straight. And it's, you have to drink a gallon of water. You have to read 10 pages of a self-development book. So not, it has to be nonfiction. Um, you have to do, um, uh, two workouts a day. Each at least for 45 minutes. Um, they can't be back to back. And then one of them has to be outside no matter what. So you can't do it under an awning or under, you know, your garage door. It has to be outside. Um, and then you have to, uh, what is it? You have to drink your water, do your two workouts, read your no, book. No cheat meals. Yeah, no cheat meals. So basically, like, you have to pick a diet and stick to it for 75 days. You literally cannot 
have anything other than that. So when we picked our diet, you can't have an M&M. You can't have, yeah. you know, a tortilla chip outside of your regular diet. So you have to be extremely strict. And then for a lot of younger people, it's you can't drink. So literally zero. If you have one look of alcohol, bam, start over from day one. So, um, yeah, those are the 75 days. And so we did it because we were getting ready to open our business. And I was like, dude, I know that it's going to take grit and discipline and all these things to be able to open and start a business from scratch. So I'm like, I'm going to build myself now. So we've done it two times. Um, and we've done some of the other phases as well. But we did, we've done 75 of our two times. So right before we opened the business, then we did it last year. Jeez. So um, what did you learn from it? Um, the number one thing I tell everyone who's done it is, um, the ability to look back and recall on it during hard times. So like when you're like really struggling, whether it's mentally in your family and your business, you can look back and be like, dude, if I did 75 hard when it was fucking pouring rain outside, I can do this. Yeah. So it's the ability to look back and you built the foundation. That's basically, I think the most important part of it. That's amazing. Yeah. I think for me was, uh. During the time that I did it, I, I stopped during the holidays. Mm. It was it was right, 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 right before Thanksgiving, probably like a week before. You're I just, a savage. My mom was kicking yeah. out the house because I wasn't going to eat her food. She was Bro, pissed. It was, it, was, it was right after Hawaii. I, we went to go visit. My wife and me went to go visit our friend Maui Mark and his wife Summer and their, and their kid. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm good. Like, I think I'm good with, like, with, with all this shit. Like, I came back tired. came back lethargic. And plus, I was these past eight months were like nuts for me was just like working. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to focus. I'm just going to focus. I'm yeah. not going to have anything that's going to make me uh, question myself. And I'm going to do the 75 day hard. And I was like, there's, there's no need for me to drink. There's no need for me to eat like shit. There's I, if I'm going to work out, especially with me traveling, I was like, I'm going to figure out how to work out twice a day, work out in the morning. And then the second time would, would always be, cause I would go to venues. Right. Cause I do security. So what, mm -hmm. I'd walk outside I'd walk outside. Like, right, I'm gonna. Uh, that's my workout. Or if I was home, I'd walk walk the dog 45 minutes. Yeah. And, bro, when I tell you, I think the biggest thing that I learned was, if you have no excuses, and but you have a goal at the end of the tunnel, it's just so much easier to achieve that fucking goal. Yeah. When it's you don't create excuses. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, like. I remember, I mean, Juan would see me. I would have to, I have to get up at, I have to get up at three in the morning yeah. in order to make, in order for me to get to work in LA at 8 AM, I would have to wake up at three in the morning to train from three to five, to come home, to meal prep, get my shit together, go to work, be there on time. Me being on time is always 30 minutes before I clock in. Okay. And I did that. And I was like, bro, if I drank the night before. There's no fucking way I'd be able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because then it's just like not even like, oh, a hangover, or whatever, but like the excuse. Mm -hmm. Like there's an excuse. But I would, I would literally, I would come back home and Juan's like, how did you do it? I worked out for four days straight, five days straight. And I'm like, it's not that I, like, I didn't enjoy getting up that early. Yeah. I just don't have an excuse not to get yeah, ex up. Exactly. You know? Yep. So it's the wildest thing. Um, what exactly is the next. I know take away the gym side. Mm -hmm. Do you want to open up anything entrepreneur, whether it's a, uh, your own, like, do you want to open up another business that isn't gym related or do you want everything to be pretty much like fitness oriented? Everything's going to be fitness oriented. Uh, one of the things I've learned from Andy and Ed's group that were, it's a very small entrepreneurship group that we're in, um, that we pay a lot of money to be in. And, and one of the things that I've learned from them and then from other guys who like are a million times past yeah. where I'm at, um, is just Focus on what you're good at and just double down on that. So like, don't, don't go to something else that you, that you're not good at. Sure. Cause like, like I said in, the, in earlier in the podcast, which is don't be in the middle of like something you don't have interest in and you're kind of passionate about because that's never going to work out. So I'm just going to stick to the fitness side of things because that's what I'm really passionate about. Um, and then just double down on that. Nice. So like the goal really is to um, keep the business running how it is at the gym, stack bread, and then really help my mentor and my coach basically build our coaching business so we can keep bringing in revenue from there so that we can just keep stacking bread in our per, in our um, our own businesses already. Um, before we end the podcast, we always ask three questions. But more importantly, where can everybody find you at social media wise? And then where can everybody find House of Gains? Yeah, so on Instagram, it's just my first and last name. So it's just David and then Fig, F-I-G-G. Um, on YouTube, we're following the Figs, which has our podcast on there. Um, and the podcast is figuring it out on all platforms. Um, and then House of Gains is just on Instagram, which is just House of Gains Gym. So. Um, I'm just going to ask this question, right? 
Uh, why go to your gym versus going to a 24-hour fitness? Um, if you're looking for a more serious environment, a community of people who are also looking to improve um, the seriousness, the quality of their um, their workouts, things like that. If you're looking for, I don't want to say the, the Gucci or the Louis of things, but it's a little bit higher. Like yeah. it's a higher quality, not a little, it's a lot higher quality. And the biggest thing is if you're looking for a community of people. So I've learned so much from people. Like, dude, we just had a girl come in and she was in the military. She came in and she fucking put 405 on the bar and just bodied a 405 squat wow. for like a set of three. And I was like, what the fuck? Or, like, we have girls that bench two, three plates. Like, it's crazy. So, you, mm. if you want to be around, like, people talk about this in business, but they don't talk about it in fitness, which is if you want to be, you know, the, the best person you can be, well, look at the five people around you. Yeah, fact. yeah, I'm like, but then why do you still go to that gym then? If you're around a bunch of older dudes, you're around a bunch of people who, like, don't give a fuck or don't take things serious, well, then you're probably not going to be that, that person who takes things serious. True. So, you need to put yourself in an environment of other people never been to a gym before where I have someone signing up and I'll fucking have someone come up and shake their hand. I'm like, you don't even know this person. And they'll literally come up to this person that I'm signing up and they'll walk up and be like, Hey dude, my name's Gabe. Just want to say, appreciate you for joining the gym. You're joining the family. Like if you ever need anything, let me know. I'm like, dude, this person hasn't even been in the gym for more than five minutes and he already made a friend. That's like it's crazy. So it's, if it's a, a community, Hell yeah. a community. Um, three questions. Juan, Juan asked the first one. Um, going back to 18, 19, you're dropping out of, college basically mm -hmm. um leaving for that year what piece of advice would you give that version of yourself um damn that's a hard one uh it would probably be uh stick to your guns like whatever you like, stick to your gut like 99.99 percent of the time just trust your gut feeling uh because if you don't trust your gut feeling you're probably going to end up in the wrong place um and then if you trust your gut feeling then you have no regrets so yeah. you, you just get it done i love it yeah um so this is actually going to be an interesting two-part question. Um, it's usually asked the person, but since your, but since your company or your your product is House of Gains, if House of Gains, let's just say in a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now, it's it's done, right? It's mm -hmm. done. But you guys have a tombstone, and it says House of Gains was blank blank blank. What three whether statements or or words would you say about House of Gains? House of Gains was, um, damn. Three words? That's hard. Not even three words. Maybe three statements or something. Because usually I talk. It's usually the person, but that that goes into my other question. Um, it probably would be um, always showing love. So we're always showing love to our members. So like that's our big, always showing love to our community, to our team members, yeah. our, our employees. To always showing love to the members, showing love to our facility by making sure everything is upkept, well kept. Um, just always showing love, dude. That's the goal. Now. 100 years from now, you know, David Figgs, the husband, the son, the brother, the everything was blank, blank, blank. Uh, I would just put himself. It's I was just, just one just word. Always myself. I never like, dude, I'm, it, it's one of those things. If you see me on camera when I'm fucking around, like in our videos, like, we don't do double takes. Like, what you see on our videos, like, that's just who I am. Yeah. I am that guy, dude. Like, it doesn't matter if, if our gym filled with a bunch of influencers <clears throat> or it's filled with a, a bunch of intimidating bodybuilders. Like, I'm still going to be fucking around and dancing and singing and doing what I want, bro, because yeah. I'm just always myself. And I'm like, dude, if, if, that's, not a, if that's not who I am, then I'm probably going to live a pretty shitty life. I dig it. So, Dave, it was a pleasure. Thank always. you for being on the podcast. Yes, sir. Um, you, thank you, my brother. And, of course, everybody, if you guys are in town locally, stop by House of Gains. It is in Oxnard, California, uh, specifically more channel. Poor Wainimi. Poor Wainimi. Um, everybody, thank you for listening, tuning in, all that stuff. Thank you to our sponsor, Persistence Culture. And, of course, link, subscribe, all that. Tell a friend, pep talk. Thank you for the episode. We are out. Peace. Here's one of those soundboards. Things go. Oh, yeah, we got it.